Welcome to Distant Grey Gaming. We're playing Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition by Chaosium Inc. This game contains themes of horror, violence, animal cruelty, racism, death, and profanity. And for those reasons, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Call of Cthulhu, the scenario Full Fathom 5 by Paul Fricker. Our investigators are members of a whaling expedition aboard the good ship Barclay, uh, currently somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Yesterday, there was some success. Whales were caught, harpooned, flensed. While that took place, one of the crew members, Valentine Thomas, comes from his quarters, finds that the crucifix his beloved wife gave him is missing. Other crew members discover other religious paraphernalia, Bibles, rosaries, prayer books, also missing from their bunks. The steward, Bond, Lawson Bond, seems very sure of who the culprit is. He takes a group of men downstairs into the quarters where they find your crewmate, Orengi, sleep and Bond accuses him of having stolen these items. A search is made of Orengi's locker and a wooden idol is found and he has spoken earlier in the day of his reverence for a deity that he calls Father Tutu. However, Orengi appears not to be the culprit. Um, none of the items, none of the missing items are in his locker. But Bond continues to insist that he must be responsible Matthew Cole, played by Lise, is suspicious and detects some kind of ulterior motive here. But at this stage, Cole is not sure. Night falls. Crew are asleep, rocked in their dreams uh, by the gently rocking ship. Isaac awakes. Earlier in the day, he was daydreaming. He'd looked over the side of the whaling boat and seen his mother's face. He had a short conversation of sorts uh, with his mother um, in the water below him, and the vision disappeared. Later that night, Isaac awakes within a dream, as it were. His mother is poised over him. Um, her hands grip his throat. She clamps her mouth onto his, and cold seawater out of her mouth into Isaac, uh, choking him um, as his lungs fill with water. Also, as it were, within a dream, John DeWitt, played by Phil, wakes and sees this and attempts to assist Isaac, pull the mother away from him. But it's to no avail. Isaac, played by Stuart, succumbs. Elise, Matthew Cole, finds himself standing on deck, staring out to sea with cold water in his beard um, and as it were poured down the front of his shirt. Goes below deck as the hue and cry goes up. People 
start to wake other members of the crew and indeed Isaac's dead body is found. DeWitt is puzzled by this but realises that he too must have been dreaming. Isaac's dead body is sprawled uh, across his bunk. It's discovered that cold seawater continues to pour out of his um, dead mouth almost like a tap and DeWitt is considerably shocked by this revelation. DeWitt also notices that Cole's shirt and beard is wet. Captain Chapel comes into the crew quarters and orders you to take Isaac's body to the deck. So we move on to the next day. So it's bad luck to keep a dead body aboard a ship. Time for a burial at sea. Indeed. And by, and by the way, DeWitt did overhear the senior group on the ship yes, saying some so disturbing things. The captain was followed out by the three other senior members of the ship. Um, so there was Reed, the first mate. There is, of course, Bond, the steward, and also Marsh, who's uh, the chief steersman. They mutter to each other in a private conference. However... The captain is heard to say, that's the first one down, all will be well. So as I said, the next day, the deceased Isaac is sewn into sailcloth. The final stitch goes through his nose to confirm his death. The crew do their best to ignore the water that continues to seep from his mouth and through the sailcloth that now wraps the body. Many of the sailors refuse to go near and simply stare from a distance, crossing themselves. Um, the rat body is then laid on a board, supported by four of the braver sailors on the gunwale at the side of the ship. Bond, sorry, Chapel, Captain Chapel, presides. He holds in his hand a big black Bible, leather-bound, obviously old and well-used. Bond, the steward, steps forward. The two have a brief, seemingly urgent exchange of words. Can I have a listen roll from all three of you? Thank you. 41, that's a no. And again, that's a success at 18. Very good. 20. As a again, oblivious and too distracted by what's going on. <laughs> too busy looking at water. Yeah. DeWitt and... Valentine Thomas, um, now being played by Stuart, who's previously playing Isaac, the uh, man who's being buried at sea currently, make their listen rolls. You overhear the captain assuring or reassuring Bond. It's just a reading, Bond. It won't bother them. There'll be another soon enough, you'll see. Oh, no. Bond backs off. And the captain, you notice, rather than reading directly from the Bible itself, he takes a loose sheet from the back of it. It's been folded into the back of the book. And he reads, We therefore commit his body to the deep to be turned into corruption, looking for the resurrection of the body when the sea shall give up her dead and the life of the world to come through our Lord, who at his coming shall change our vile body that it may be like his glorious body according to the mighty working whereby 
he is able to subdue all things unto himself. So as the captain finishes, the four sailors attending the body, they tip the plank towards the ocean and indeed the body slides. Is that the usual reading at a burial at sea? Who are you asking? What say you call? No, this is me to the keeper. Is it, do we know that that's what they usually say? It is uh, not. It is not, no, yeah. We, we would We've know not that. heard that saying before. I would imagine there'd be a few exchange silent glances as yeah, well. Yeah, it seems um, All of you can give me either a history role or a hard education role. Nope, that's normal. Completely normal. For 76, 79. 74. 31. It's, it's a pass, but not a hard pass. Okay. Is that on history or education? On education. On education, yeah. Just the captain has his quirks. Look, you've certainly heard most of those words before. Most of those words are indeed from the Book of Common Prayer. Mm. Yep. So it's the standard uh, eulogy if you like. The pause in the middle of the captain's reading seems somewhat pregnant. The life of the world to come through our Lord. I was expecting just a bit of Jesus Christ here. Yeah, just Lord. Mm. <laughs> Which Lord? But no, this is completely normal. That's normal. <laughs> so having dispensed um, with the formalities, Isaac's body committed to the sea, um, a relative calm settles over the ship. Um, the captain goes back to his quarters, bonding tow. We all set to turning to, well, at least I do. <laughs> Swabbing the deck. So, yeah, um, it's a tranquil afternoon. Um, there's an opportunity for the crew to relax here, so, you know, several crew members lounge on deck smoking their pipes, uh, casting dice... Um, at one point, um, a group of sailors even strike up a very fetching sea shanty, um, uh-huh. which rings out um, across the deck and across the, the waters near the ship. And a drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't do us any harm. A drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't do us any harm. A drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't do us any harm. And we'll all hang on behind. And we'll roll the old chariots along. And we'll roll the old chariots along. And we'll roll the old chariots along. And we'll all hang on behind. Several other crew members reminisce about meals that they missed from home, women that they missed from home, and so on. Is there anything you guys would like to do at this point? DeWitt is going to seek the company of Cole, pointedly, but also fairly furtively as well, from prying eyes. Um, And that includes away from Valentine as well, because I'm not anti-Valentine, I just don't trust him after his earlier outburst, which then got everyone into... Sure. You'd find Cole standing at the water barrel, just staring into it. Perfect place to have a conversation. Well, in fact, um, Cole, you've been given the job, as you suggested, of swabbing the deck. Ah, okay, I'll be doing that then. (laughs) It may be an opportune moment for DeWitt to pick up a mop as well and swab alongside. Yeah. 
And whilst swabbing, I'll make sure that Cole has is my attention and vice versa. Yep. And say there is something that is not ship shape with the captain and Bond. Nice pun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, of course, I had, as I told you before, but you told me not to say anything else. And I'm still telling you to say nothing else. It's that we know what we know. And what I heard last night, you know, Isaac, Isaac's passing was not m- mourned by the captain. It was, in fact, celebrated by the words he chose. And what, he... What are you talking about? He said the words, all is well. And he's the first of more to come. That... What? But he's the captain. We're his crew. Why would he exactly. want anything... Exactly. And then, did you know some, notice something awry about the committal to the sea? The words? I didn't know. <laughs> okay. Well, I noticed there was something amiss. The words, it was very similar, but not right. Not right. How come the captain still has his Bible? I would imagine it's kept under lock and keys in the, in the captain's quarters. Nobody goes there. Fair enough. I'll the, take that on board. The conversation proceeds. You both fall into silence. Half-heartedly swabbing the deck. Cole, you look down at one point. You look at the bucket next to you. You see the sunlight glinting off the surface of the water in the bucket in a, a maddening kind of way. You're transfixed. To wit, you look across and you see coal sort of gone vacant mm. and it's indeed staring into the water in this bucket. Um, I'm just wondering, I, I'd probably recognise a connection between what happened with Chase staring into the water yesterday on the whale hunt. Give me an idea, Ron. What's an idea, Ron? Oh, intelligence. Fifty. Spot on. Success. Yeah. So um, a light goes on mm. in your head. A very small oil lamp. <laughs> <laughs> and you and a whale oil lamp. Yeah. And you indeed. <laughs> and you indeed make that connection. Yeah. Yep. There is something similar about the gaze. You, Cole, are transfixed. Not again. Looking down into. The water and it beyond the surface, you see a face. As expected. You make me a, could you make me a sanity roll? Success. Thirty-five. The face in the water in the bucket. It, it, I mean, in ordinary circumstances, it, it might. Um, unnerve you considerably however you just continue to gaze at it as it looks up at you the faces of someone who's very close to you tell me who that person might be it's emma my childhood friend so you indeed see emma her face peering up at yours from the water i guess i'll walk up to the barrel and place my hands on either side yep look into the water the face looks up at you Oh no. And speaks. Only you hear this. Come down and join me. All will be well. All will be well. Come. Come, Matthew. Join me. All will be well. I will dip my hand into the water to see if it, like, to kind of move the surface a bit to see if the image disperses. It 
does indeed dissipate. Yeah. I'll just shake my head. So from my face. Okay, so from DeWitt's point of view, I see my shipmate come out of the funk he was in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm going to say to um, to Cole, if I see you doing that kind of thing again, I'm going to kick you up the seat of the pants. I, I'm fine. This is fine. Okay. Don't do it again. That's what happened to Chase. What do you mean that's what happened to I Chase? Just, you know, he was acting a bit weird on the, on the skiff yesterday, looking into the water, and look what happened to him. Well, if the dead could talk... They can't, so I'm just going to continue on with my day. Dead Nothing happens. No <laughs> well, just be mindful. Your ass has got my foot on it. I don't want to end up like that. No, none of us do. Richard Peterson, one of the able seamen, walks over to the two of you. Valentine's standing with him. He says, this not be the hour for uh, swabbing a dick for these kinds of conversations why don't you come and play dice with me and uh, Thomas here I could do with a distraction the decks look pretty clean yeah so you, you sit down with Peterson who's renowned as something of a uh, gambler mm-hmm. a successful one right. um, <laughs> and the four of you sit down to dice who would like to play yeah. Yeah. I would like to play. Yep. Yeah. So the pennies come out. Um, if you can all give me any some pennies. Here's fifty dollars. If you can all give me a, an intelligence roll. That's a fail. Success. Got thirty-eight. Extreme success. Fifteen. Both suck then. <laughs> Give me a penny. Yeah. <laughs> Peterson starts to curse. The game actually uncharacteristically goes quite against him. And yeah, those of you who made roles, Thomas and Cole. and Cole, um, each accrue a uh, a small bonus. Peterson doesn't look happy about it. He sort of mutters and sort of stands up and grabs his dice up from the deck and, and walks off. <laughs> Poor loser. Thanks for the game. And throughout the afternoon, um, you know, the, the crewmen who are on watch uh, a couple of times think they see um, a whale spout spotted off in the distance. Nothing comes of it, though. Um, Just one of those days. Read mm. the chief steersman. Just shakes his head. Doesn't appear interested. And when we come to the Davis Strait, where the mountains blow with snow, we pack about all in the north till we heard the whale fish grow. And when we catch that whale break, boys, homeward we will steer. We'll make them valleys ring, boys, and drink enough strong beer. So, it's now evening. There's a group of you sitting on the deck, um, eating your supper. So, uh, Bond has doled out the, uh, the hard tack. Yeah. Yep. Thin stew. Yep. The weevils 
good for protein apparently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and the salt horse, the um, the salted meat, yeah. uh, which you chew vigorously. Um, those of you who wish to partake of uh, the grog, oh, for uh, sure. may do so. Yes. I feel like on this night, Matthew Paul will definitely partake in the grog. <laughs> what? Which good seaman wouldn't take part in grog? Huh? <laughs> Won't say no to Need a Need you ask. <laughs> yes. And let us not forget that grog is specifically is watered down rum. So, yeah, yeah it, it would probably take more than a tankard to... Uh, yeah. A bit more. Yeah. That's why it was created deliberately. So, Cole, you are eating your supper, taking deep draughts... Oh, yeah. ...of rum. You hear a feminine voice whisper playfully as it were in your ear it's Emma's voice you recognise the touch you can even smell the, the perfume Emma's perfume she says oh, hands go over your eyes I guess I'll just sit bolt upright when that happens from behind and you hear this playful feminine voice, Emma's voice, you think. Yes, who? Yes, who? I will just stand bolt upright in my chair and look around. So your body stiffens and you go to stand. Yep. Yes. The voice keeps saying, guess who? Guess who? Guess who? The hands begin to squeeze. I can't stand. I'm you can try to stand. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. try and stand bolt yeah. upright. <coughs> Give me a uh, hard strength roll. Oh, fail. 62, strength 60. You, you put one foot down on, uh, sorry, one hand down on the deck, you know, to push yourself up. The hands, not only are they exerting pressure on your face, but, you know, sort of pushing you down at the same time. But these hands and the fingers, they push further and further into your face, in fact, into your eyes. Oh, I guess I'll just yell out. Um, it's not the time, Emma. Oh, you've guessed. It's me. It's me. We'll be together again, my love. How are you here? Her fingers continue to press into your eyes and you feel... One of your eyes. I'll just scream out. In you pain. scream. One of your eyes, you can feel the the, the um, you know, the gelid Pop. sort of mass like trickling over your cheek as these fingers continue to press in. You scream. Those nearby, including Dewitt and Valentine Thomas, um, turn around. In fact, Thomas, you're the one who turns. You don't need to turn, Dewitt. Because, as Thomas sees, it is you who is pressing his hands, his fingers, Yikes. into Cole's skull. What, uh, do you, what do you wish to do? So they're on, we're on deck? Yes. Um, so I'll, I'll start shouting, hands to deck, hands to deck, and run over to try and pull do it off. off. Sure. Um, give me a fighting brawl roll. There you are. 61. DeWitt seems filled with a perhaps even supernatural strength. Yep. Mm. You can see there's, you know, sweat beating on his brow. 
um, you know, all of the muscles in his arms are like tense as like he continues to exert this pressure. Um, there's a kind of snapping sound as one of Cole's cheekbones shatters. The hands continue to press. I continue shouting, help, help. Yeah. And then keep continuing trying to pull him off. Yep. So other crew members run across. In fact, um, Peterson, uh, your dice playing friend before, from before, he runs across and attempts to uh, wrestle DeWitt away. Can you give me a uh, brawl roll, please? Get the hell off me, DeWitt. That's a failure. That's a 50. Yeah. So um, he starts punching you. Basically in the back of the head and like trying to pull you by the shoulders away from Cole. One of the punches lands uh, true on the back of your neck and you take four hit points of damage. I'm assuming I've taken damage by now as well. <laughs> My skull cracking and eyeball popping. <laughs> Indeed. So the bones of your face continue to crack yeah, and, and break. And break. The whip continues to exert this pressure uh, on Cole's skull. DeWitt, you cry out in a, in a woman's voice, not your own. Ooh. Your glorious body has been traded already. Now you must come down and sleep with us in the depths, my darling. You, in your, your fading consciousness, hear this as Emma's voice. Yeah. Thomas, you were giving me a sanity roll, actually. <laughs> You've just seen one of your crewmates going all the mountain. Uh, 26 success. Yeah. It's an extraordinary uh, thing to hear a you know, grown man speak out in the voice of a young woman, particularly at a time like this. What's even more shocking to you uh, and causes you to reel somewhat um, you managed to you managed to hang on to something, some kind of steel that you have inside. Um, other crew members, though, clearly shocked, beyond shocked, as they see Cole's skull implode. and blood, mucus, grey matter splatter across a wide radius on the deck. Oh, we just washed that too. I throw up. <coughs> I can't help feeling that I'm somehow responsible for this. I feel like I should have been playing DeWitt because then it yeah. would be legit. <laughs> legit now, DeWitt. Ma- Matthew Cole always sounds like he's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Doctor so, DeWitt. Yes. DeWitt yes. and yes. Thomas, could you please both make a power roll? Um, I missed it by one. You're lucky? Well, I'm just... Oh, not that lucky. That I has to say. Uh, 29, so power, success. Yep. So, DeWitt, you come to yeah. find yourself... Uh, you know, you've been gripped 
by several men who yeah. pulling you away from largely headless corpse in front of you, um, gore streaming down your hands and your arms. Mm. The back of your consciousness, you hear whispers sort of turn looking around you you start and um, they don't appear to be coming from any obvious source except the back of your skull. Perhaps that fellow Thomas is no good. I reckon it's him that did the thieving. So that's what Tom... That's that's what the whispers are. I think I see a spout over there. Shall I call it? Shall I call it? They say that he heard voices calling from the depths. Uh, I I, I think I would be tempted to... I mean, obviously I'm uh, trying to work out what the heck's just happened and I've got somebody's head all over my hands. Yeah. Um, Now would be an awfully good time for a distraction like a water spell or a blow, you know, from the whale. So you point... Yeah, look behind you. Yep, there she blows. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so um, a couple of a couple of your uh, nearby shipmates approach you. One of them pushes you roughly, and you sort of fall back a little bit against the the side of the ship, against the gunwale. So Cole's lifeless and um, headless, almost headless body, slumps to the deck. Um, there are a number of witnesses number of other crew members standing quite close by. Um, Able Seaman Nathaniel West and William Lawrence shout, and they're attacking you, DeWitt, pushing you further and further against the gunwale. Um, you get the sense that they're actually trying to push, push you over, push you over um, into the ocean. Can I retaliate? You may. Uh, give me a fighting brawl roll. Yeah. I'm going to pick on William Lawrence. Oh, come on, cuz. He's, he's family, <laughs> so he should know better. 21. Yep. So you... Uh, Am you I going to die, like, straight away? <laughs> <laughs> Throwing over with the sharks. Yeah. You slug him hard in the guts. Um, give me a damage roll. So that's a d4. Yep. Oh, hold on. I get a plus d4. So it's yeah, 2d4. Right. So my damage for unarmed is a d3 plus damage for So a d3 and a d4. So that's 6. Well, there's half my hit points gone already. <coughs> Strong punch. Yeah, big man. Should have noticed you, with the blood on my hands. You, I mean, you're uh, it's as though you're still possessed with yeah. this this kind of strength. As yeah, you're. As, you're as, far f- as, as far as I'm concerned, I'm fighting for my life right now. Yeah, your fist sinks into Lawrence's gut, and he sprawls back. He's taken a fairly heavy blow. He's quite yeah. winded. Yeah, keep back, keep yeah. back. West, however, is hammering at you. Ugh. With his fists, um, as he also tries to push you back and back. Just yell out, what's going on with you, John? He's quite successful with it, too. You start to feel your body slipping over the gunwale. Give me a uh, dodge roll. Well, that's a big miss. That's a miss by 12. You try to uh, sidestep. Um, Actually, sorry, can I burn some luck? You may, yeah. Yeah. So I see him coming and I feel myself going, so I try and shift my body weight. Yep. Just to kind of... Yep. So I'll burn 12 luck. And Thomas, do you wish to do anything at this point? Uh, I'm still a bit unwell from seeing someone's head explode 
Yeah. Never seen that before. I'm sort of just stunned. Okay. So you manage, uh, DeWitt, you manage to, um, the, um, the gore that's like covering the upper half of your body like yeah. makes you slippery and um, you manage to, um, to slide out from, um, from West's yeah. grasp. As you do so, Reed, the first mate, makes his presence known. He says, right, you curs. Right, you, Wes, you stand back over there. Lawrence, you stand away too. <clears throat> Thomas, you watch those men. You see me just blatantly staring at the dead body, just not moving at all. I said to you, you watch those men. Uh, I, I, sir. He looks at Lawrence and West. West is now being played by Elise. Lawrence. Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah. He looks at the two and says, they know not what they do, pointing at DeWitt. They know what they do. He's got a curiously kind of revenant kind of look on his face. Reverent, I should say. Yeah, he, he looks impressed in some way. At least get him to the brig, sir. Pointing back at DeWitt, Reed says, Chosen by the angels, he is. I. You ask the captain. Um, just out of interest, seeing as I've come round, yeah, it's been a very rude awakening in some respects. But I'm I'm aware of what I've done. So can I take a sanity roll for sure? The horror that's yeah. Oh, shut up, Phil. That's a that's a ninety-seven. That's as. That's a bad sanity loss. D6. Oh, no. Makes sense, though. Can I oh, take no. a sanity roll? Yeah, sure you can, Phil. Yeah. And I lost six as well. What the hell? That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does, actually. Yeah. The shock of the realisation of what mm. you've just done causes you to vomit at Reed's feet. This is while Reed's looking at you reverently. Chosen by the angels, he is. Chosen yeah. by the angels to murder a man. I didn't do it. We all saw you. No, no, I, I, it's not, it wasn't me. I, What's that I on your hands? Look, I, I, I can't explain it, but it wasn't me. I didn't do that. He's my friend. We Why all saw I, you. Why don't you shut up, Lawrence? <laughs> shut up, cousin of mine. Yes, John. Bear false witness against me, thy will. False witness. I tell you I didn't do it. Everybody on this ship. I tell you I did not do it. He was my friend. Doesn't look like it. The blood in your hands says otherwise. I'd hate to see. You can shut up as well. I'd hate to see how you treat your enemies. Just you wait and how I see how I'll treat my family. Oh, great. Now he's threatening more people, sir. Hear that, sir? They're putting me in a difficult position, sir. I'm telling you I didn't do this. It wasn't me. I think for your own safety, DeWitt, you're going to have to go into the brig. Rather see him in the brig than dead. Keep these dogs away from me. Right. Take him to the brig. I can lead myself to the brig, sir. Take him to the brig. Aye, sir. Off you go. Yeah, you can follow, but don't lay a hand on me. I warn thee. Don't lay a hand on him. He's been touched. He has. Yeah, he's touched all right. (laughs) Can I try and punch Lance again? (laughs) His, kill me. His, 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 his mouth is just running off, and I've warned him, so I'm going to... Give me a brawl roll. Oh, uh, 44, but I'm going to burn four lock for the oh. success. 
Mm. See that coming. The punch strikes true, striking Lawrence across the cheek. Oh, God. So the Do you want me to roll damage? Or yes. Oh, my word. Six to That's kill. two dead now. <laughs> oh. So that's uh, two, four. There you go. That's four in total. Oh, I have oh. two hit points left. Well, shut your mouth then. Oh, I did warn you. <laughs> I'll leave this one with you, Thomas. You spit a couple of teeth out onto <laughs> the deck as a result of that punch. As, um, I think I need to go lie down. <laughs> as DeWitt is hustled down um, to the brig. Yeah. Shaking off anyone that touches me. So I don't need to be touched. Is there a doctor on the ship? <laughs> I'm pretty good at first aid, actually, as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm escorting you down. I say escorting him. Taking one step behind. Yeah, two. Two, yeah, good idea. Yeah, escorting him. And then I just asked, what do you mean it wasn't you? Like, we all saw you do it. I, I can't explain it. It's it's like... It's it's like with Chase. It's like I saw what happened, but then I woke up. I was there, but I wasn't there. I'm telling you, it wasn't me. Why would I kill my friend? That's what puzzles me. I can't explain it. And I'm willingly going into the brig because I can't explain what's happened. The captain's behind. I've heard the captain. Heard him? Heard him what? Celebrating the death of Chase. Just, just keep your eyes and ears awake, lad. Heed my warning. I, I close the door to the brig and walk off and turn my head to look back at him with a puzzled look and then continue walking away. Did you lock the door, Pomo? Yeah. <laughs> Just come back out again. <laughs> <laughs> so, as DeWitt is led down to the brig, um, I mean, the men behind you are silent. Mm. You continue to hear these kind of whispered voices, however. One of the voices you hear says, I can't wait to be off this conversation ship. I can't wait. Another voice you hear, another whispered voice says, if only I decided not to play dice today. DeWitt's not going to openly react, but when people were talking about getting off the godforsaken ship, I would just kind of nod in agreement without saying anything. Yep. So you're led to the brig. Yep. Uh, you're manacled. Oh, cool. And, um, and locked up. Yeah. As you sit there, the two who brought you down here, mm -hmm. um, they look at you, um, talk a little amongst themselves. As they walk away, you can hear that voice in your head again saying, whispering to you, I hope I get off your ship. I hope you turn around and go home soon. I hope you do. I hope you do. It sounds like the voice whispered of one of the men who's just walked away from you. And as they leave the brig, the whispers fade. Okay. Mm. Mind reader. <laughs> I think I'm mad right now, so I have no idea what, who's saying what. Yeah. So, indeed, you assume a sitting position on the floor. Um, your back's against the bars of the cage that you're in. Yeah. Um, and you're sitting at the floor, staring and just shivering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come the 23rd of 
Distant Grey Gaming decided to play Full Fathom 5, we approached the module creator, Paul Fricker, for some advice. We also asked him whether we could have an interview with him, his thoughts about gaming, ask him some questions about the module, and some more random things as well. And we were so glad when he said yes. So here is part of that interview. We hope you enjoy listening to this just as much as we enjoyed speaking with Paul. I suppose one of the ones I really want to ask is, obviously with Call of Cthulhu, um adventures taking place across the many places in the world and also crossing many different time periods kind of and you've just written one obviously uh, for the 1840s so I suppose my question is what setting would you like to tackle next I don't really have settings that I'm particularly drawn to I wouldn't say I mean I would say the default for me is modern day because yeah. that's what I'm most familiar with clearly um the only reason I chose 1847 is because of Moby Dick mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, wanting to set it in a, in a whaling ship. Um, I've used some other settings. The other setting that I've default to is 1920s because that's the default setting yeah. for Call of, or one of the default settings for Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. But sometimes just when I start work on a scenario, I get an idea for it. And I might be thinking it's going to be modern day, but then because of certain factors that that, that sort of suggest themselves. I think, oh no, this would work much better in the, I don't know, the 1970s or yeah. or the 1800s or, or whatever it might be. So I rarely start with the setting. Okay, Unless, I guess, I was like one time asked to write, you know, uh, a, a World War II specific game. So then, yeah, you've got a period at least. Yeah. So just to follow on from that, given that the, the module called Full Fathom 5, does that mean you're a student of Shakespeare as well? No. There's a Shakespeare quote at the start of the, uh, the module. Tem- yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Tempest, I believe. Um, so that, that came from, obviously that's from Shakespeare, but I think I I put that together from there's a musician called Laurie Anderson, uh, and she actually did an album uh, or at least a performance about Moby Dick uh, about 20 years ago, and I remember going to see her live in the 90s, and she did that uh, aerial song, uh, you know, which which uh, talks about full fathom full fathom five thy father lies, and that's always kind of stuck in my memory. Yeah. Sorry, what's that? I said, gonna have to give that a listen. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not sure that she ever actually released it as an album, but there are there are some um, there are some tracks from it on some of her other albums. Uh, yeah, she's kind of a performance artist from the I don't know 70s and 80s. I think I think it's fair to say that the title is going to stick in all our minds now, flowing today. Oh, very much so. And and you'll be, be pleased to know that there was some rousing rousing shanty singing as part of the recording as well, <laughs> which I thought was a fantastic was element. There? Yeah, 
yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so we, we I because obviously I haven't seen the module um, to keep myself sanitised from spoilers. Um, so when it was discussed, there would be some opportunity to sing some shanties to intermingle. It's like this is, uh, it really added flavour. Um, so oh, brilliant. So once we'd finished uh, recording the game, uh, we then went into a couple of rousing uh, songs. So, um, my, Excellent. Unfortunately, the uh, the podcasting deck that we've got doesn't come with auto tune, so it might be a bit. It, it certainly sounds like a lot of sailors singing. That's for sure. It's certainly authentic. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good though, right? <laughs> Look, it really is. Yeah, it really added something yeah. to it, and uh, and everyone yeah. was. Everyone... I mean, that, that... Sorry, that that was inspired because when I went to uh, the Lovecraft and and the Call of Cthulhu uh, convention in Providence every two years. Hopefully it will be on like in 2021, fingers crossed, fingers crossed um, yeah. vaccine pending. Um, and the HP Lovecraft Historical Society each year, they hold a, like a, a sing-along in a bar mm. and they give out you know, sheets of, of lyrics and they're all Lovecraftian themed sea shanties. And yep. everybody, they sing the chorus, and then everybody, sorry, they sing the, the verses, and then everybody joins in on the chorus, and you get the whole bar singing. It's, it's just great. Fantastic. Yeah, we enjoyed it. So hopefully we did it some justice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so We're not going to quit our I day jobs. Nice to know that people <laughs> no. <actually> did that. <laughs> sorry? <laughs> nice to know that people actually did that, because I put it in the scenario. But it, it's, you know, I can imagine some groups, they're not, you know, they're, oh, we don't want to do that. No. But other groups like yours, great. You know, if you want to do it, then uh, that's us. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's a lovely touch. Okay, so um, I'm going to ask a more general question, and in the, I suppose, in the vein of really tough, hardball investigative journalism, Paul Fricker, pineapple on pizza for or against? <laughs> well, like all sane people, for. Yes. Oh my God, yes. I'm, I'm glad we got to the end of the interview before we did that question because that's just madness. <laughs> Phil's going to hang up now. Oh yeah, what the heck? <laughs> no sane person would ever choose fruit on a pizza. Uh, yes, please. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm going to hand what about back over. Oh yeah, definitely anchovies. Yeah, because they're savoury. You know, yeah. pizza is a savoury thing, but pineapple. Ugh. Um, so I'm going to hand yeah, over to Matt. Well, I just I'm going to I'm going to pour disinfectant in my ears while Matt asks. Burn all your books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. I'm through with this stupid game now. <laughs> yeah. Matthew James as the keeper of arcane law. Elise Spencer, Stuart Muldoon, and me, Philip Beddingfield. We hope you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to listen to more of our work at Distant Grey Gaming on your preferred podcast provider. You can also find Distant Grey Gaming on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter. Thank you for listening.